That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Broadcasting from the west coast of the Golden State, the nation's most straightforward recovery talk show, That Sober Guy podcast, helping to keep your brain sharp and your blood clean. And now, Shane Raymer. What's up? Welcome to another episode of That Sober Guy podcast. Great to have you here listening today. I'm excited, very, very excited to introduce you today to Pastor Dave Patterson. And Dave and his wife, Donna Patterson, are the lead and founding pastors of the Father's House and have over 30 years experience in leading worship, teaching, and pastoring. They came to Vacaville in 1996 and launched the church in March of 97, leading as it grew from a handful of families. I believe they started over in, actually, I think they started in a family room, which led to a community center, which led to a shopping center, and which now has led to the church today. They've led that from just a handful of families to thousands of attendees at multiple campuses. Dave and Donna married in 1982. They have two children who are both married, two grandchildren, and I believe they have another grandchild on the way. So uh, Jess and I have really been blessed uh, with some great people when we came into the church um, at the Father's House. And Pastor Dave and the rest of the team at the Father's House, awesome people, man. Um, you know, celebrate recovery. That's another thing that we touched on uh, in this uh, in this episode. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. Some of the other programs, like like AA, are are fantastic programs. I know that they get a bad stigma. There's a lot of people that have judgments about them that really don't know. Um, they don't really know much about them. And I know even that was me. That was me before I got sober. I, you know, I, I had no no clue. And, and I, I want to. I'm going to admit this right now too. I had judgments about the church, about in general, just uh, not so much my faith. I've always been a believer, but just in in the church. And so for for many of us, these judgments, these stigmas that stick that stick around before we really know what the true substance, what the true message, what the true um, you know solution is that we're looking for, we we make these judgments beforehand, and then for a lot of us. Uh, unfortunately, it never gives us even a chance to change, to to begin to grow as people, to become, you know, the people that we're supposed to be and live up to our full potential. Uh, that being said, um, you know, it was it was just really great talking with Pastor Dave. Uh, we got into some some really good content about about God, about recovery, uh, about life in general, a little bit about music, um, just some some good uh, some good conversation there. One of the things we did talk about. Um, was miracles. And uh, while and while I'm on that topic, I really want to show some love to my father-in-law, Bill, and my buddy, Keith, who, who really experienced a miracle uh, just about a week ago. They spotted a car off to the side in, in a ditch that was rolled over. And so they both hopped out and uh, two other folks hopped out. The, the car was starting to smoke. And so they attempted to throw some dirt on it and try to get you know, the fire out cause it was starting to catch fire too. Um, and you know, they, they realized somebody was in the car too, screaming, you know, need to get out of here, save me, help me. And, um, you know, my father-in-law tells the story great. I, I wish he was here to do that. So I'll try to do it justice. But, you know, one of the things that he said over and over is that it, it was, it was the oddest thing because there was four people there. It was Keith, Bill, was my, my father-in-law, my buddy Keith, and then the two random people. I think one was a was a woman and one was a man. And um and 
he said that it was like the four of them came together in this moment. Nobody said a word to anybody, but everyone knew exactly the right thing to do right at that time. And, uh, and my father-in-law, Bill, he said that, you know, out of nowhere, he just heard, we got to roll this car over. And, uh, now, now, now you think about it. I mean, I don't know. Think about a car that's rolled over. It was also buried down in a, in a goalie, a little ditch. It was buried in mud. Um, you know, it was in an odd position. So think about just a couple of guys, you know, and, and a woman trying to roll that over just, you know, two or two or three people trying to roll that car over. Um, it, it was a small size SUV. It's going to be pretty tough is my point. Uh, it's going to be really tough actually to, to, to do that. And so he said, you know, literally it, it was the oddest thing. He said it, it barely felt like he put his hands on it and the thing rolled, it moved it. He said it felt like a feather and uh, they got the, they got the car over. They, the guy actually, I guess he kind of fell out once uh, they had begun to roll it. Um, he fell out. They, they dragged him, you know, I guess his hip was pretty jacked up. They dragged him off to the side and within a matter of a minute or two, the car was fully engulfed in flames. And, uh, and so I know, I know Bill and Keith, they probably don't, uh, they don't want to, you know, acknowledge the hero aspect of it. I know sometimes that can be a, a tough thing. I don't know from really from personal experience, but I could imagine, um, you know, you're just doing what you do. You just pulled up and you just did what you were supposed to do in that moment. And I, I my, my best guess is probably that's how they see it. And also my best guess is that they do it again, um, today or tomorrow, if the same situation happened. Uh, so anyways, I just want, I mean, that's a miracle in itself, how that whole thing happens. The other thing that I thought was great, I wasn't going to bring up, but I am going to bring it up right now in our society, um, today with race and religion and, uh, and, and, and sex, you know, male, female, um, all of those different elements that, that make up a society that, uh, unfortunately the powers that be would like to divide in this certain instance, the man was Asian. Uh, the woman was African-American, uh, and my father-in-law and my buddy Keith are both white. And I'm not sure what the, what the, the guy in the car was, but my point to this is, is that none of that matters. We are all, we're all here on this planet. We're all human beings. We're all here for a purpose. We're all here to find our purpose and to, to really, to express that to each other, to love one another. I want to get on that whole hype of, um, you know, trying to sound like I'm on a soapbox or anything, but I just thought it's just a great example um, of not only that miracle, you know, that miracle God side that God does amazing things in moments that we, that we can't really explain, but also the fact of good human beings still out there that are willing to, you know, risk their own life, their own safety to step out and, um, and help each other, no matter what color, race, religion, um, you know, male, female, you know, there's good people out there and that God is good as well. So Keith, uh, and bill just want to say, I love you guys and, um, you know, awesome job. You guys are heroes and I know you, you do it again in a heartbeat. And, um, man, if that was me, you're two of the, two of the dudes I definitely want there and God, of course. <laughs> so let's get into our sponsor real quick, sober nation, and then we'll jump right into this interview. Sober Nation is the largest online recovery community and treatment resource center. They provide treatment resources to those struggling with addiction as well as to family members who are caught in the crossfire, which, man, that can be difficult. Being a family member of someone you love that's addicted, very rough thing. Sober Nation's got the resources for you. 
if you need some. Uh, they're also a huge community of good people who share their experience with each other. They have informative content, recovery and addiction news, as well as an entire clothing line, which helps expand the culture of recovery. They can be found at www.sobernation.com. Once again, that's sobernation.com. Check it out. Speaking of the clothing line, there's some fresh gear on there, some fresh recovery clothing. If you're looking for some of that stuff, if you type in Shane, S-H-A-N-E, it's a promo code. Look for the promo code box and type in once again, Shane, S-H-A-N-E to save 20% on all of your sober nation gear. I touched a little bit on celebrate recovery. I'm going to be starting step work this week and I'm very excited about that. Uh, I, I feel that I need to do that. Um, I should have done it a long, a long time ago, but as somebody told me, I think it was my buddy Christian who, who, uh, borrowed it from Tony Robbins. I should have all over myself. So I should have all over myself with, with working these steps and celebrate recovery uh, or AA a little bit more diligently with a little bit more time invested in depth and peeling back those layers. So I'm going to start that this week actually. And I'm going to kind of update it as I go through these weekly uh, meetings and through this weekly step work, I'll be talking a little bit about it on these upcoming episodes about how it's going, what I'm learning, what's coming out of this, what I'm getting out of it. And I can share or answer any questions that I might be able to help with for anyone else out there who is thinking that they might want to attend Celebrate Recovery, but maybe they don't really know what it's about and don't really understand the full scope of it. And if I can't answer it for you, being that I am a bit new to Celebrate Recovery myself, I will find somebody that you can get in touch with that can answer any questions for you. So I'd be glad to do that. A um, couple more things real quick, and then we'll get to Pastor Dave. Live meetings, Sunday mornings, that Sober Guy meeting is just a quick little communication platform for us to get some things out. 8 a.m. Pacific time, go to thatsoberguy.com, click on the live meetings tab and register there for free. Like our Facebook page, Facebook slash that Sober Guy. Also join the private Facebook group, Sober Guy, Sober Girl. A lot of good recovery content in there going on 24-7. Good folks in there, men and women, who sh- who are sharing some of their experiences, some of their thoughts, uh, some motivational stuff. It's a great resource to have at your fingertips whenever you need some recovery content if you can't get to a meeting. Uh, Sober Podcast, check those out. The Share Podcast, Recovery Elevator, WWA Wrestling with Addiction. Those are at SoberPodcasts.com, part of the Sober Nation Network. And last but not least, feel free to make a donation to the show. All donations go right back in to this operation to help bring you the best recovery content. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this awesome community that we're creating with That Sober Guy podcast and all the wonderful people that are part of it. Much love, peace, and respect to you. But we're not out yet. That's usually my tagline out of here. But we're just getting started. So I want to introduce to you, Pastor Dave Patterson. All right. Thanks for tuning in today. We have Pastor Dave Patterson joining the show today. Pastor Dave, it's great to have you. Thank great. you for taking the time to step in with us. Great to be uh, here. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so I think we're just going to dive right in here and uh, we're going we're gonna to get down to it. Um, tell us who, who Dave Patterson is. Uh, that's a that's a big one. Uh, well, currently, uh, we pastor a church here in uh, Vacaville. We have three locations, East Bay and, and Napa. Um, so the church, the Father's House, we started um, almost 19 years ago. Hmm. And eight people in the living room. 
Uh, so that's become uh, my life passion and investment for the last 19 years. So uh, God's just done a lot through our church. But I, I would say as far as who I am, obviously I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a, I'm a husband of a beautiful wife. We've been married 33 years. Uh, I've got two daughters and uh, two grandsons and one on the way next month. <laughs> oh, wow. So excited about the third grandson coming. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, just this, my life is all about serving God. And and uh, really, he's blessed me with a great family, great team to work with. Yeah. And what consumes most of my time is is pastoring now and, and leading people, leadership, and, and all that we're involved here at the Father's House. That's awesome. Uh, congrats on the third grandson. You're going to have oh, your hands thanks, full man. there. Yeah. They're fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like, like, many, like many of us out in the world today, um, you know, there, was, there was a time for myself. I felt lost, broken, addicted to more. And I often ask myself, why am I here? Like, what is my purpose? What am I doing? And I knew I was a good person in my heart, but I still, and I still till this day, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say, um, even put it past tense, but I, I still sometimes make bad decisions. Sure. I guess leading back to that, no matter, no matter what in that time, I was always constantly searching for a purpose. Um, so at, at one point in your life, did you have some of these same feelings, some of these same thoughts? And can you talk about them? Sure, sure. Well, you know, my, a bit of my story, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was raised in church and raised in a Christian home. Actually, my dad was a pastor. So, you know, I grew up, you know, hearing preaching and knowing about Jesus and in the church. But still, there's a lot of folks that grow up in church and end up going crazy and nuts. And, yeah. you know, so I ended up in mid-teens, as many do, experimenting, partying, ended up in a life of addiction for quite a few years. Uh, so that really led me down a road of, of really just searching. I mean, searching, is this, is this Bible thing real? Is this church thing real? And through probably a good you know, about seven years, eight years of experimentation and addiction, um, I searched high and low, you know, trying to figure out. But yeah, the whole time there was that sense of there's more to life than this. Yeah. yeah. And am I going to find fulfillment? Uh, you know, and I won't go down the list of all the drugs, but if I thought it was a good time, I, I you know, got after it. Yeah. So that just led me from one level of bondage to another. Um come full circle though, you know, at, at the age of 22, uh, that's when I realized everything I was taught as a kid, you know, yeah. this whole truth of, of Jesus and the Bible, uh, ended up being what I was actually searching for all along. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, always that sense of there's more than this and you know, what am I really designed to be? What am I really designed to do? That was a quest all my growing up years and definitely during my partying years. So when, when when did you have that moment where you felt like you found your purpose in life and how how did that come about sure well i you know i'm unfamiliar with your podcast man so hopefully i'm a pastor i preach the bible so mm -hmm. in this context it's going to be pretty natural for me to talk yeah. about jesus so well, hopefully, hopefully that's you not off sides nope. um but you know i came i came to a full commitment uh to jesus christ at the age of 22 and he freed me from uh, cocaine addiction, alcohol addiction, and uh, daily, you know, marijuana use and prescription meds and and all that. I was a train wreck of a life and relationships and all that. So when when I came to Christ, I went through a process of freedom and deliverance uh, and just recovery, you yeah, know, as you yeah. do, which was a process. It wasn't like some 
miracle overnight. You know, an angel flies through the room and slaps me with its wings, and yeah, you know, I wake up the next morning. Like yeah, so it seems right. And even though you know the truth, you, you still your body, and your mind, your soul uh, is in some bondage. So it was a process. But I would say for that first year or two of my journey, my faith journey of getting free and getting a, away from my addictions, and really pursuing God in in the Bible and in knowing what God thought about my life. That's where I started discovering some purpose, and the purpose was come to find out God wanted to use me to lead other people. Hmm. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know I had a, a leadership gift. We well, talked about that today about you being an introvert, and yeah. so how that is kind of a um, it's it's very odd to take you and then transition you into a leader, being that type of personality. But isn't it interesting that especially people in addiction? I I think most people in addiction they have gifts and abilities that get buried. Yeah. And, sure. and usually we, you know, we're trying to mask over hurts and wounds and oh, disappointments. Yeah. You know, my family growing up, God love them. They were in ministry and church, but it was a dysfunctional mess. And there was a lot of, you know, false religion stuff and hypocrisy and yeah. bondage. that came down from granddad to dad to, to us. Um, so, you know, you, you got to sort through all that, but back to the point you're making, which I, I think is valid. And it's this, a lot of people have hidden gifts and abilities. Come to find out that's what I had. And all of my years of running and partying, you know, it was just a temporary thing to kind of mask a bunch of pain. Uh, and once I dealt with that and got through that, I realized, wow, there is some things in that God has invested in my life that I, I need to develop. So yeah. it was just kind yeah. of a process. I started out as a musician uh, and doing some music, and then one thing led to another, found myself in youth ministry. Uh, and then that's been, just been a road. It was never an occupational choice. I didn't wake up one morning and go, hey, I should be a pastor. <laughs> that was kind of the last thing on yeah. my agenda. But yeah. it's kind of amazing how God takes you from uh, where you are to a place you could never imagine. Yeah. So that's kind of what my journey's been. So uh, that that just something popped in my head. If you yeah. weren't a pastor, what do you think you would be? <laughs> or what would you want to be? <laughs> I might be messed up. Um, like here's, here's a thought for you. <clears throat> I think God called me to ministry because I think I need that kind of that kind of yoke or harness, uh, whatever visual you want to get. I just think I'm wired. I'm always the guy, even growing up, like, if a little bit is fun, let's do more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If this <laughs> oh, feels yeah. good, well, let's, why stop here? So always kind of on the, on the edge of overindulgence, overcommitment, uh, people pleasers, struggle with that. So I think for me, I needed big vision in my life, and I needed some responsibility, and God knew that. But if I wasn't in ministry, I love music. I've always played guitar and some blues harp and sang. I, I probably would have gone stronger down the road of that. I did that yeah. the first several years of ministry, a worship pastor and traveling with some music stuff. So that would be my passion. Uh, I also had a propensity. I did construction for quite a few years as a bivocational. So one of these guys would frame houses and do ministry on the side. Got it, got so it. So I did that for years, you know, because it doesn't always pay so well, yeah, come yeah. to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I could end up doing a construction business or, I, you know, but with my propensity to overindulge in addictions, I might have been that guy on the edge of the road with a, with a cardboard sign as well. So for the grace of God, who, <laughs> who knows, knows, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I just agree. I that's a good answer. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, well, I, I like what you had talked about um, in in this weekend's uh, service, and you had already alluded to it a little bit about um, our purpose and yeah. about about each one of us has a unique gift. Yeah, we all have a unique gift. I know there's many people listening 
that are going to be listening to this that have these gifts inside of them and they don't know how to get them out. Or maybe they know what they are, but fear is a big obstacle for many of us. So they don't know how to really get over that fear. Maybe it's fear of what people might think or fear of success is even one that's kind of odd. Um, How can we step outside of that box and how can we start looking at ourselves from an honest point of view and, um, and opening ourselves up to exploring that? That's great, man. Well, my, my spin on that, my little riff on that would be that, you know, God's version of us is always different than our version. Hmm. You know, we see our life through our failure, right? Our limitations, our addictions, our broken marriages or broken dreams. So we kind of gauge our future potential based on our past track record. Sure. But God mm-hmm. doesn't do that, right? He, he gives us a new beginning, makes us a new creation. So I think the way that people move past fear of failure or fear of the unknown, it, it really comes down to just a walk of faith. I, I think it's this thing where you start trusting Christ and you trust his word to lead you into the future he has for you. Uh, most people I talk to, they underestimate their capacity. They underestimate their gifting, uh, and they underestimate the way that God really wants to use them. Uh, and so that's that's one of my life passions is to see people really discover and develop their gifts, yeah. right? Yeah. Instead of just sitting around being a spectator watching someone else succeed, is to really tap into that God-given thing in there, which is a combination of the talents you have, uh, the gifts that God gives according to Scripture. He gives us these Holy Spirit gifts. Mm-hmm. And then your, your personality, your life experiences, all that culminates into this potential to affect other people. And most people are afraid of that because you're afraid you're going to be rejected, you're going to fail, you know, the future is going to look like the past. And, you know, the life of faith is God says, hey, I got you. Yeah. I'm bigger than that. I got something <laughs> yeah. for you. So that's one of my life passions is to see people discover that thing that they're supernaturally wired for yeah. and get on with it. Yeah. You know? Well, I like how you say too, today, I'm going to put it all on the table. That's right. Like I'm, pu- I'm putting it out there today. That's you know, right. there's something that something when that, when you actually verbalize that too, I've noticed, um, <laughs> man, it does something to you. Cause I could think about it all day, yeah. but when I literally say it, um, it's much more powerful. Well, isn't that the truth though, man, most of us like, even if we know we have capacity or we know we need change in the future, whether you know you need marriage counseling or you know you need you know some kind of recovery program or you know what you need in the future, you know I'll get to the gym next month, yeah, you know I'll start the savings account soon, yeah. you know that whole demon of procrastination, um, but there is something about saying today, today is the day I'm starting now. Uh, I'm drawing this line in the sand. Use that visual, right? I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm saying, you know, enough is enough. Um, So for for me, that's either, when I say enough is enough, there's two visuals. Sometimes people just need to lay some things down Mm -hmm. intentionally. Mm -hmm. And you can fill in the blanks, whatever that is, but you know what you need to lay down. And then there's things we need to pick up, you know? We need to pick up some things that that might be... um, yeah, yeah, fill in the blank on that as well because yeah. I don't want to try to personalize it. But when I say that, I think everybody knows immediately. Just you know, meditate on it for fifteen seconds. You can think <laughs> yeah. of at least three things you need to lay down, at, three things you least. need to pick up at, at least, least, and they come fairly quickly. <laughs> so if we would just be obedient to that and just yeah. say, okay, today's the day. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and launch into it. One thought I'm having right now is uh, it's a simple word, perfection. Mm. Okay, we use this in recovery a lot. Progress, not perfection. Got it. When it comes to uh, following Christ, yeah. being a Christian, um, having a relationship with God. I think that there's this 
perception that if you do that, you're perfect and that there's nothing wrong with you. And so maybe that holds people back from, from really, you know, pursuing God, pursuing a relationship. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, the, the Bible's pretty clear on it, but I think if you just get around church and around quote Christians, you'll see that it's just a bunch of messed up people trying to get healed. Right. Yep. So our church, and we try to keep the door wide open because there's just a lot of jacked up folks and uh, addictions, brokenness, hurts, wounds. And, you know, we're all coming to a savior who redeems, but here's, you know, kind of a theological little riff on it is this is salvation is instantaneous. There is a moment of conversion, but becoming what God has called us to become is really a lifelong process. Mm. So the way I look at it is we're all in process. So we shouldn't get frustrated with ourselves or with other people. So we have a lot of folks at the Father's house that, you know, are in like Celebrate Recovery or they're in marriage counseling or they're just, they're up and they're down. But, you know, try to leave the the table open, the, a chair pulled back for people just to work it out. Yeah. yeah. You know, God's expectation of us is never to just get it all together. And I think when people think of religion or think of church, they think, well, I got to get my ducks in a row, right? Yeah, yeah. I got to be at this certain level to be accepted in a church setting or in a religious setting. And Jesus, if you look at his life, it was exactly the opposite. Jesus hung out with broken, messed up people, right? And and really, if you look at the dinners that Jesus went to and the crowd that he hung with in the New Testament, it could be typified as as uh, pimps, prostitutes, thugs, street people, rip-off artists. Those are the folks that Jesus was very comfortable hanging out with. Mm. And what did it do? It infuriated the religious people. So I think relationship with Christ does that. It welcomes broken folks, and it ticks off religious people. And I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny you just said that, because I literally that was the next question I had for you was— um, and I, and I like to think that I, that I have the the explanation for this answer. I try to explain it. I, I probably don't know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> um, the difference between religion and a relationship with God. Oh, that's great. Um, I think there's, 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 there's a lot of unknown out there and I think that holds, holds some people back too. Yeah. Well, religion is, is and just a quick formula and there's a lot of different definitions for religion. But Jesus rebuked the religious, and almost every reference in your Bible about religion is negative, because religion is is man's attempt to reach God, but grace Mm. is God reaching us. So religion says, be this, do this, come to the church, pay the dues, keep the rules, work your way up the ladder, take the trip, earn the title. That's all religion, which is death. Grace says, come as you are receive forgiveness, and then out of an inward work of grace, there will be external fruit. So I'll frame it this way. Okay. The operation of God's grace works from the inside out, and religion works from the outside in. Religion mm-hmm. says, put the rules on, do the deal, follow this creed, da-da-da, and you're going to get better. Grace says, no, receive the grace of Christ, let that grow on the inside, and then the Bible uses the term you're going to see fruit. Well, you you can't patch fruit on the outside of a tree. You you know you can't duct tape fruit fruit to a tree and say, oh, we're alive now. And that's what religion does. Tries got to patch it, stuff it. on the exterior. So if people could see the difference of that, is God doesn't put expectations of hey, reach this level, produce this kind of fruit in your life. He says, no, just get tied into me. Jesus said, I'm the vine, your branches. If you're in me and you abide in me. 
then all this good stuff is just going to come out of your life. So I want people to experience grace yeah, an inward yeah. work. And then at whatever pace and whatever growth rate that God brings the good stuff out of them, it's happening from the inside and recognize dead religion for what it is. You know, what it, what's one of the most amazing acts of healing that you've, that you've witnessed or Ooh. is there something that stands out to you that has did you just blown your mind? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I've seen a lot. I mean, we, yeah. And just to frame that question, because that's a that's a big question. Um, you know, we are a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit. They're in the New Testament. We do believe God does miracles. We don't see near as much as the Book of Acts for sure. But you know, there's a lot of dead religion and cynicism and lukewarmness in the American church. So we don't see the kind of miracles that you would even see in in China and Brazil and different mm. areas of the world that are experiencing an outpouring of the Spirit. Excuse me. Um, but I have seen some crazy stuff, and uh, I'll just share one with you. My oldest daughter, who's one of our worship pastors here now, um, she had uh, scoliosis and spine degenerative disease, and so when she was young, her back was very hunched over. And uh, we were doing a worship conference in Fiji, and um, she would really have a lot of back pain, and there was just this this real noticeable curve in her spine. And I think at the time, she's probably 14, and I remember... We're standing in Fiji, and there was just this wave of God's presence, and we were praying for people to get healed. And this guy came up on stage, one of our leadership team, and said, hey, I think God wants to heal you. And I'm standing next to her playing my guitar. She's at a microphone next to me singing. Room's full of people. She bends over with this curved spine, and when she stood up, it was straight. No. And I saw saw it as far as I am from you, four feet away. And when she stood up and her spine was straight, she freaked out. I freaked out. Yeah. It was like the most incredible thing. And I've seen a few miracles, but as far as seeing a healing right in front of my eyes that was undeniable, and it's your daughter. Yeah. And yeah. seeing her freed of that pain. So, yeah, that, that's that got to go in the top three for Gosh, me. <laughs> yeah, that's, so I, I believe in a God of miracles. Yeah, <laughs> I would think so, well, especially just being that it's your daughter, too. I mean, I know you've seen, like you said, a lot of different different things, I'm sure, but... Uh, and no, no, no repercussions till this day, like nothing. Um, no, I mean, it's, um, wow. you know, and it, it, it was a, it was a thing that was hereditary, you know, from her, I think it was her grandma or great grandma. Uh, so, you know, those things kind of can come in the family as far as body types and such. Um, but no, it, it, uh, it was healed and, uh, just, it was a miraculous moment. Uh, so it was very, wow. very cool. Um, I, I've kind of opened my door up lately, um, recently to celebrate recovery. Uh, I've had a lot of experience um, in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, a couple of Narcotics Anonymous a little bit, Recovery Center, all that, the whole whole nine yards, right? Um, Celebrate Recovery has been different for me. And um, it's really really opened up my mind to, number one, to God, obviously, because it's a faith-based program. Um, The Father's House has a great program here. Do you want to, can you talk a little bit about Celebrate Recovery and... I, I get a lot of emails about it. That's okay. why I'm, I'm, and people ask about it. And yeah. so I'm, I'm wondering maybe if we can get your take on it. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love what it is. I love the people that run it. They're the real deal. Bill and Josie. Yeah. And then <laughs> Phil, uh, right out of Napa and he helps yeah. here. Uh, and there's just some great leaders and yeah, Bill's amazing. Yeah, Bill is. And those guys have lived it. I mean, decades of addiction, mm-hmm. uh, experienced life change. They, the struggle's real. They've come up the steep side of the mountain, so to yeah. speak. And what I would say with Celebrate Recovery, 
you know, as you know, a lot of the principles are like AA or NA, sure. and it's a step program. I think the the most obvious glaring difference is that we're pretty clear on who the higher power is, yeah, and we recognize that Jesus is who He says He is, and so very unashamedly, we're here to say, "God, help me." So that's kind of would be the difference between maybe some other programs is really a clear recognition of a need for the Holy Spirit, a need for Jesus, and a need for the Word of God. Uh, in order to live a life of victory. With that, the same application points as far as uh, a support group, accountability, people you can confess stuff to, a consistent meeting, people to walk alongside you and encourage you, all that is part of Celebrate Recovery. And uh, so I just see it as a very, very needed community of faith that's very effective. Uh, With that, I mean, the Celebrate Recovery here is successful, I guess, as far as, you know, measuring on a scale of how these these things go. And Napa's taken off pretty well, and we're looking to start one in East Bay. But here would be one frustration, and and maybe you could share this and speak into this. I just think there's a lot of people uh, in our church, connected to our church, one conversation away, sitting across the cubicle that need to be there. Yeah, There's hundreds of people that... Mm -hmm are struggling in secret with addiction, whether it's anger, sex addiction, meth, you name it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and But they, they for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it I don't yeah. want to get free yet? I think that's the frustration is looking at the numbers that come, whether that be 100, 150 that show up on any given night, but really within a 15-minute drive, how many thousands of people yeah. need some recovery in their life? Well, and that, and that goes back to kind of what we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation was that element of fear and how do we step outside of that box? Like you said, they're one, you know, they're, they're one thought away from going, but then now I'm going to back off. I'm not going to go mm-hmm. today, whether it's, they want to, they don't want to put themselves out there. They don't want to be seen in public. They're ashamed of it. They're guilty. Um, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. <laughs> Probably honestly. all the above, huh? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> you know, the the only thing I can say for myself is that I know that it hurt so bad. I got to a point where I literally could not take it anymore, and it was um, it was just throw throw my hands up basically and say like I I need help, God, I need help, Good. please, you know. Um, and and I hate, unfortunately, I'm sure you as well, me. Many of the listeners out there have had friends, family who have went down that path and never had that opportunity, yeah. um, you know, to throw their hands up and to ask for help and to come to come back. They were either, you know, lost off this earth, or I know a couple now who their minds are gone. Yeah. You know, and that's a sad part of it. Um, do you see this Bible right here? I wanted to share this with you actually. Sure. So when I um, when I it actually belongs to somebody else too. Oh, really? It kind of. This so thing's been through story. it, man. Yeah. This Bible's been through it. Odd story <laughs> behind that. Um, I need to find the kid who's, I don't, we'll have to, what's, I forgot his name. It's in there. Okay. Um, so when I threw my hands up, what we're talking about, I need help. Um, I had admitted it to my wife and I yeah. said, okay, I, I need help. And I, I think I need to go to rehab because I don't think I can do this on my own. Yeah. And um, so that was that, that night. It was a long night. The next morning. Okay, now had so many times happened over and over and over. I wake up and now the enemy starts creeping in and he says, you don't need help. Yeah. You're, you're fine. There's much more people that are way worse off than you. You're just doing what everybody else does. And so here I am in this battle, like going back and forth between what do I do basically? So I said, I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to walk the dog. I'm going to get out of the house. So I take this walk and I'm walking down the road and 
I see that laying in the middle of the road up in front of me. Um, I didn't know what it was at the time. I just, I noticed it looked like a book. I said, it looks like there's a book up there in the road. And I'm walking. And as I got closer to it, I looked and I said, that's a Bible. There's a Bible in the road. And it's, it's torn and tattered. I know you can't see it right now for the listeners, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely had some use. And uh, so I walked right past it. I walked right past it, still just in my own head, just kind of thinking and, um, and something popped into my head and it just said to me, turn around and go pick it up. And so I stopped and I turned around and I went and I picked it up and I wish I could remember what it said on the page. Cause it was, it was open. Yeah. Um, there was no cars coming. It was, it was a very odd moment. And, um, and it just spoke to me and it said, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. So, so you can help yourself and help your family and go. And so that moment I was like, I'm going to rehab, Come boom, on. it's done. And then this whole journey has taken place really since that moment. So I kind of like to feel like that was my moment, even yeah. though I've been a believer since I was a kid, it was much different than that actual moment right there. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This, this Bible has been through it. It looks like it's been left out on the street. Yeah. It looks it, like it's been read. It's, it's experienced <laughs> some storms and some rain. It has. Um, but you hit a key point earlier on, and that is you came to a place in your life where you couldn't take the pain anymore. Yeah. And I think that is very common is, is the pain of staying where you're at exceeds the pain of change. Hmm. And it, it's sad that it takes that, but isn't that really common with the, with the human nature yeah. that we'll stay in a place of pain and brokenness and addiction until the pain gets so ridiculous that we'll do anything to get free yeah. when the freedom was available all along. Yeah. And so I think back to our thought of why don't more people uh, avail themselves of celebrate recovery or programs or church or freedom. And it's, they haven't hit the bottom. It's just sad that people have to hit breaking point. You know, uh, yeah. we're doing this interview today here at, at the church. And I just prayed with a guy um, whose, whose dad has fallen back into alcoholism after a few years and it just, it, he's hitting the bottom. He just uh, DUI marriage is getting ready to fall apart. Uh, his son doesn't know what to do. Uh, and he's hitting that wall again. So if that's what it takes, I, I think it's, you could call it, you know, that maybe that moment of, of blessed desperation. Yeah. And if it drives you to desperation, then it's, then it's blessed. If it drives you to a breaking point, yeah. But hopefully, like you mentioned, people break and fall on God and grace and and some road to recovery before it's too late for yeah. them or before they just throw up their hands in despair and, and waste another life. Yeah. Um, so it, it's either human pride or fear, or we get so attached to the thing that is our support system that our emotions, our neurons, our brain waves uh, are just so entrenched in it. But that's where I, I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe in praying that people will come to that place of blessed desperation. Here's a dangerous prayer. If you've got, you know, if you're listening, you got some addict in your life is I think you pray the prayer, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever limit they have to be driven to, whatever brokenness. So they'll, they'll reach that moment and say, enough is enough. I'm reaching out for help. Yeah. Well, that's powerful. And, um, if there's someone listening, Pastor Dave, right now, and they're 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 hearing what we're saying, and they're they're having that battle right now in their head, they're right on the brink. They want to reach out. They don't know how to. Maybe they don't want to die. They don't want to go down that path anymore. They can't do it. I mean, what what do you tell them? Well, I mean, my thing would be just just cry out to God first off. If you know if anybody's by themselves, Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit is is listening. Um, 
and it says that those who call on the name of the Lord to be saved. So it's really just a simple moment of crying out, Jesus, help. I believe you're real. I'm here. I'm desperate. And then the second step after that moment, and that might be a powerful encounter, or you might really not feel or sense anything, is to reach out to someone that you know is is on solid ground. Yeah. Uh, either they've experienced recovery or they're part of a faith community. Uh, and and just reach out for help. Reach out to God. Pick up the phone. Reach out to somebody. But you just got to reach. And if you reach in faith, someone is going to reach back. Sure. And that's the beauty of of who Christ is. Is no one who calls on the name of the Lord is is going to get hit with silence. He's going to respond. That's just who he is. Kind of interesting. I just had a moment too. I don't know what it is about this worn out Bible <laughs> in the road thing. I know. So I picked this Bible up, which is kind of thick and wilted, uh-huh. and it flopped open to Jared, Jeremiah 29, mm-hmm. uh, a familiar verse, but it fell open. So I don't know if you've been reading in this passage, but here's what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. It's exactly where this Bible just fell open to. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and an expected end. <laughs> How cool is that? Wow, that's pretty awesome. So while people are in their train wreck of life, God says, no, I know what I'm thinking about you. Yeah. And I have a hope for you and an expected end. A pretty cool wow. Bible you got. <laughs> pretty pretty amazing, man. That thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's, God, God's got hope for folks, yeah. man. He, he's, he's hoping for the best and he's just waiting for an entrance. Because, you know, let me just go down one more rabbit trail. God's a sovereign God, but he's given us a, a free will. You know, I, in the years I spent in addiction and, and, and really train wrecked my life, some, some way, I don't know what it was, maybe my upbringing or whatever, but I, I never blamed God, you know, for my losses and relationship boondoggles and where all that took me. I, I never shook my fist at God because I realized this, he's a sovereign God, but he gave me a free will. Mm. And the roads I chose and the paths that I went down, that was me, not him. And the place that I ended up in life was never his will. Where I see a lot of people get themselves in trouble is they make wrong decisions, get in messed up relationships, go down roads of addiction, squander their money, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll end up in a ditch and say, why God? Yeah, yeah. And it it just really helps to realize it was never God. It was never his intention, but he's given us a free will to say yes or no. That next day, that next step, that next drink, that next moment— he he's with me if I cry out, but he will not override my free will. So that's just a, a moment to help people realize I am where I am, whether it be good or bad, whether it be freedom or bondage, I am where I am based on decisions I've made. Yeah. And today I can make a decision to say enough is enough and, and to cry out on the name of the Lord. Yeah. And we, we talk a lot about that, about pers- the personal responsibility. I think okay. along with the the, the spirituality side of that, I think that's kind of what you're getting at too, is it, it's, it is that free will. I have a choice. I can either go this way or I can go that way, but I'm, I can't blame anybody but myself right. for where I end up or what path I'm going down. Um, that's a good word right there. So I just have a couple more questions for you and, um, and we'll wrap this up. Um, I'm going to lighten it up just a bit. You, your family are amazing musicians. Of course yourself, um, Jess and I, uh, when we saw uh, your wife, Pastor Donna, come up there and sing, and of course Tasha and Joseph mm-hmm. as well, um, if you if you had to pick a favorite punk rock band, <laughs> who is it and why? I don't even remember <laughs> punk rock. Seriously, I, I, there's a lot of bands that I love. I, okay, I, favorite band? I, well, we'll, I'm we'll kind of from the '80s. If I had to pick like a lifetime band for me, yeah, 
I know I'm, that's tough. Now, I'd probably just immediately defer to the Eagles. Oh, okay, got Okay, it. born and raised on the Eagles, yes. lifelong fan of the Eagles. But I'm a guy, Eagles, Aerosmith, Journey, um, Led Zeppelin way back in the day, and then my mentor, musical hero, James Taylor. Oh. Yeah, eat, sleep, breathe, James <laughs> yeah. Taylor. I can play a bunch of his tunes. But that kind of dates me if, if all those bands I just named. What's funny is, you know, Aerosmith and Journey and some of these bands that were huge back in the late 70s, you know, uh-huh. um, they're still huge. And they they oh, just yeah. keep playing their music. It doesn't oh, yeah. go away 40 years later. So that kind of tells you the quality yeah. of music, right? But uh, those, those are the bands and the, the rock and roll and the stuff. And I still enjoy a lot of that stuff. And there's a bunch of other bands. But I have a, I have a playlist. Well, you know, I, so what I do kind of to breathe deep and my, my uh, therapy is uh, I love to play golf and then I love to ride my Harley. Got a really? 2012 Street Glide. And so I've got my Harley playlist. So I'll just jump on my bike and put on the ear, earphones and head out on a country road, you know, and listening to, you know, Steely Dan and, and uh, <laughs> the Eagles and Don yeah. Henley and, and, and that kind of stuff. And I yeah. listen to a lot of worship too, but, yeah. uh, but you know, it's all good. <laughs> I, uh, well, num- number one, I didn't know you played golf, so I'll have to see you on the golf course. All right. Sometime. Bring that'd, it. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> The other thing, Jess and I had an opportunity in our when we were in our early twenties when my mom and dad uh, were still married. They had went to an Eagles concert and they took mm. us with them. Man, that was one of the coolest shows. It sound uh, it sounded dead on like they were in the studio, like yeah. recording. They were very very tight, very Amazing. good. Yeah, yeah Don good Hillary. stuff. Um, all right, well, so Father's House, um, awesome place. Thank you so much for uh, for for having Jess and I. I mean, it's literally changed our lives coming awesome. into this church, and I just want to. Um, I just want to thank you for that and, and the team that's all around here, the church and thank God. And I also, there's a, there's a lot of great things. The church does a lot of good programs. Um, I know there's a podcast, there's a video podcast. If, uh, anyone listening out there wants to check more of the father's house out, where can they go to, to find more information? Yeah. Well, first of all, great to have you guys on the team and, and see you just digging in here and, you know, growing and, and doing ministry and, and hanging out. So great to have you here. Uh, yeah, it's all tfh.org tfh.org and there's um there's podcasts video casts ministries yeah. events concerts youth con- conferences just uh, there's a bunch of stuff churning there's a bunch of people you know busy doing ministry but they can tap into all of it right there at tfh.org awesome pastor dave thanks so much for your time today thanks thanks for having me here man great This has been another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast. For more information, visit www.thatsoberguy.com. Contact Shane at sobriety at thatsoberguy.com. And leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.